Well, here is something to think about. If simply knowing and believing was enough to make a difference, think of how different our lives would be. If simply knowing and believing was enough to make a difference, think about how different your life would be. I mean, what if all you had to do was believe the science behind health and nutrition, and all of a sudden you had all the benefits of eating healthy and working out? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? If knowing and believing was enough, no one would have any addictions. Because we all believe addictions are bad. We all believe addictions will ruin relationships, ruin your life, ruin your health. If, if, if knowing and believing was enough, we'd all be doing great financially because we all believe it's important to budget and stay out of debt and spend less than we make and save and give. What if simply knowing and believing was enough to make a difference? I mean, imagine how different your life would be. But the truth is, most of us know and believe what we need to in order to live better, healthier, more productive lives, but (laughs) that's not our experience, is it? And the reason it's not is because simply knowing and believing isn't enough to make a difference. If it was, our lives lives would be so different, Our, our relationships, our finances, our physical health would be so much better. We'd be better and we'd be healthier in every single area of our lives. If we're being honest... What we all intuitively know and what we'll discover that Jesus definitely knew later in just a few minutes is that doing, doing is what makes all the difference. See, the reality that some of you need to hear, and maybe it's the reason you're here today to hear this, is that when when we believe but don't do, nothing we want comes true. When we believe but don't do, nothing we want comes true. For the most part, getting what we say we want financially, relationally, occupationally, physically, educationally, emotionally, isn't because of a, not getting that isn't because of a lack of belief or knowledge. It's because we, it's because of what we do or don't do. Ultimately doing or not doing, (laughs) you know this, that makes all the difference. And that's true when it comes to your faith as well. I believe that one of the reasons that you're here is because you want your faith to grow. Well, when we believe but don't do, nothing we want comes true. And what's worse, if we believe all the right things but don't do anything with what we say we believe, then our faith becomes feeble, it becomes fragile, and it becomes frail. More on that in just a moment. Today we're in part two of this series we've called Faithful, and if you miss, let me catch you up a little bit. You, you, you've probably met or heard stories of people who have appeared to be what seems to be unshakable faith, trust, and confidence in God. I mean, it seems like no matter what happens to them, no matter what comes along, it seems that they seem to have this unwavering confidence that God is in control. Re- regardless of what life throws at them, they, they, they seem to trust That God is with them. When they experience the death of a loved one, job loss, infertility, suffering, pain, disappointment, they seem to have this extraordinary, big, out-of-the-box, mind-boggling, unshakable faith in God. And because of their faith, it's like they have a, a hope and a peace and a joy that doesn't make sense even when their lives seem to be falling apart. They forgive, they love, they show up, they step up when they have every reason in the world not to. 
And when we meet someone with faith like that, on the one hand, we don't understand, so we want to like shake them back into, the real, into reality. But on the other hand, there's something about them we're very attracted to, very drawn to, very inspired by, and very amazed by. Well, imagine if you could have faith like that. Imagine if that could be your experience. Imagine no fear, no anxiety, no disbelief. Imagine having absolute confidence that God was with you, that God was working, that God was there no matter what you faced. Everything in your life would be different. Now, for some of you, that may seem like a far-fetched dream. But I believe with every fabric of my being that this is where God wants to take you. It's where he wants to take me. It's where he wants to take us, regardless of where we're currently at in our faith journey. We talked about last week, one of the glaring things that sticks out throughout the pages of Scripture is, is that God is trying to build into people extraordinary, big, mind-blowing, out-of-the-box, unshakable, unwaver, unwavering, did-you-see-that kind of faith in him. That's the story of the Old Testament, the, the books that are written before Jesus. That's the story of the New Testament, the books that are written after Jesus in the first century. And that's the story of your life and my life. And the reason that's a story is because of one key word. Don't miss this word. That word is relationship. God created humanity. God created you for a relationship with him. When we open to the first pages of scripture, we see that the break in relationship between God and humanity happened around the issue of trust, of faith. In the beginning, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, sin was introduced in the world through their choice not to trust God. And the moment that the trust was broken, the relationship with God was broken. And so from that point forward, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God is saying to the nation of Israel, trust me, trust me, trust me. Throughout the Old Testament, God was trying to build into his people extraordinary faith and trust and confidence in him. So when we get to the New Testament, we shouldn't be surprised that the epicenter of Jesus' message was trust in me. Trust in me. According to Jesus, the entire reason our Heavenly Father sent him was to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and the next because of uh, that, that our violation of sin uh, against him created. When Jesus died on the cross in your and my place for our sins, we were freely, often forgiven, freely offered forgiveness for our sins. We were freely offered salvation, and we were invited back into the relationship with God that he created us for, a relationship that's defined by God, I trust you. Our faith in Jesus growing is so relationally important in our, in our relationship with God because, as you know, as trust goes, so goes their relationship. As trust goes, so goes their relationship with every person and with God. And the relationship with him, well, that's what God created you for. That's what God sent Jesus to restore. That's what God desires to have with you and for you. The question is, how do we get and develop and grow and enduring, go the distance, unfaithable, uh, uh, unshakable faith in Jesus? And an extraordinary faith that informs our real-world responses and decisions and actions. The, the kind of faith that shows up at work, at home, in trauma, in fear, and worry, in the midst of our challenges, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, the reality is, being faithful, it doesn't happen by accident. 
God wants to grow your faith, but being full of the faith that God desires for you and being full of the faith that you desires for you doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by accident. So what fuels the development of extraordinary faith? Like, where does that come from? What are the essential ingredients that, when stirred together, result in enduring faith and trust and confidence in God? Well, based on what Jesus taught and Jesus modeled, combined with hearing the stories of hundreds of people who have developed extraordinary faith, we've concluded that there are five faith catalysts that God uses to fuel our faith in Jesus. Over and over, when people say, here's the thing God used to grow my faith and transform my faith, they always seem to fall into one of five categories. The, the, the great thing about these five is that they intersect in every season of our lives. In childhood, middle school, high school, colleges, newlyweds, when you're facing health challenges, when you're successful, when you're not successful, when you're experiencing pain, these five intersect in every season of your life. And so throughout this series, we're taking a deep dive into each of these five faith catalysts. So listen, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. If you're someone who wants to grow or strengthen your faith, if you're someone who wants to start or maybe restart faith, if you're someone who wants to rediscover faith, I invite you to fully engage in the series and take the next steps that I'm challenging you to take. If you do, I believe your faith will grow. And the more our faith in Jesus grows, the better our relationship with him will be. And the better our relationship with him is, the more God is glorified, the more we experience his presence, the more we experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment that only he can give, and the more he transforms us into everything that God's created us to be. And that's what God desires for you. Today, we're going to jump into the first faith catalyst. I call it practical biblical teaching. When people, regardless of their season of life, regardless of how young or old, regardless of their faith background, when people tell their stories about their faith in, in Jesus growing, one of the things that constantly shows up is something that sounds like this. And then I heard this sermon where the Bible was being taught in a way that made sense, in a way that was practical, in a way that was applicable to my life. And when I took a next step to apply it, well, my faith grew exponentially. Over and over and over, one of the catalysts God uses to continually fuel our faith in Jesus is practical, biblical teaching. That is, when someone teaches from the Bible and at the end of the sermon, at the end of the talk, at the end of the lesson, we don't just know more, but we know what to do with what we've learned. Last week we talked about when we, what we learn when we follow Jesus through the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What we learn when we follow Jesus through the Gospels is that his agenda for his first century followers, and I believe for his 21st century followers as well, is that they and we would, would uh, be people characterized by big, active, in spite of faith in him. This explains why Jesus' invitation to his first century followers and to you and to me today is not simply know a lot of things and not simply believe a lot of things. Over and over and over, Jesus' invitation was and is, follow me. Follow me. This invitation is relational. This invitation is active. This invitation is real world. 
Unfortunately, over time, we, the church, those who are part of the church, those who say we're followers of Christ, we have dumbed down and reduced Jesus' original invitation to simply believe in me. And as you know, believe in me is a lot easier, is a lot safer, is a lot less demanding than follow me. But it's also a lot less transforming because it leaves us exactly where we are. I truly believe that the reason some of you have lost your faith and the reason some of you are currently losing your faith is because you've reduced faith in Jesus to simply knowing and believing instead of actively following and as we just talked about a second ago, doing is what makes all the difference. Jesus did not invite people to simply believe in him or to accumulate more knowledge about him. He invited people to actively follow him. Jesus over and over and over just said, follow me, follow me, follow me. And here's my promise to you. With every next step you take to, your faith in me will grow. Because of this invitation, Jesus taught for application, not simply information. Jesus wasn't satisfied just saying what was true. He wanted people, he, he didn't want people to just know and believe. Jesus invited people to follow, to act on, to do what he taught, because doing is what makes all the difference. Jesus taught for application. He taught for a response. He taught for life change because Jesus desired to grow people's faith in him. What Jesus knew and what everyone who wants their faith to grow needs to understand is this. Our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. Your faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. And that's why Jesus taught for application, not simply information. The most notable example of this is found in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7 and is the most famous sermon Jesus gave that we have recorded. And throughout this sermon, essentially what Jesus is saying is, here's what it looks like to follow me and to live out your faith in the real world. His entire message was so challenging. It was so practical. It was so application-oriented. Just go back and read it for yourself this week. You will be extraordinarily challenged by it and be, it's so, so practical in the real world. And then Jesus concluded his, his entire sermon with a parable that included a promise and a warning. Now, if you grew up in church world, you've probably heard this parable before. It's very famous. You may even know a song about this parable. When I get to the part that song's probably going to enter your mind, don't sing it out loud. You'll embarrass yourself and everyone else in here. But just, you'll sing it in your mind. Here's how Jesus wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone, everyone, regardless of where you're currently at on your faith journey, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who has heard the words I just got done preaching and believes them? Nope. Remembers them? Nope. Wrote them down? 
Nope. Feels convicted about them? Nope. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, here's the word, practice. Everyone who hears and does and acts on what I just taught is like a wise man. And a wise person understands that knowing, or understands that doing, not simply knowing and believing, <laughs> that's what makes all the difference. Puts them into practice is like a wise man who's built his house, and the house in this parable is our faith, on the rock. Now, you can imagine, in the first century when Jesus said these words, building a house on a rock without all the equipment that we have today was very labor-intensive. It was very time-consuming. It was very expensive. Jesus' point is this. The wisest, the most transforming thing you can do is apply what I've invited you into, what I've invi invited you into and what I've instructed you to do. It may be hard. It may be time-consuming, it may cost you, but ultimately, it's how your faith will grow. Now, at this point, I imagine Jesus hanging a rhetorical question out there. The rhetorical question being, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you follow me before you know the outcome? And that's the question for you and for me every single day. Not do we believe, but will we trust and follow? And then Jesus gave a promise to those who apply what he has practically taught. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. The illness came. The death of a loved one came. The loss of a job came. The inability to get pregnant came. The miscarriage came. The financial hardship came. The disappointment came. The grief came. Yet it, and the it's our faith, did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. She said, to grow your faith, to develop a faith that withstands the pressures, the, the seasons, the, the, the pains, the hardships of life, you need to follow me by applying what I've invited you into and what I've instructed you to. Implication being, our faith doesn't grow by simply knowing and believing. Our faith does not grow by simply knowing and believing. It's like Jesus saying, listen, you can have all the knowledge in the world about me. You can believe all the right things. But if you don't do anything with it, it makes no difference. And the reason that the house didn't fall is not because they knew the storm was coming, not because they knew how storms work, not because they knew how to build things, not even because they knew how to construct a house on a rock, but because they actually built their house on the rock. That's the difference between believing in me and following me. I'll say it again. Our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. Did you know that Jesus never, not one time, Jesus never called those who put their faith in him Christians? That's not a Jesus word. Jesus never used that word. 
the people who put their faith in Jesus, he called them disciples. And a disciple is also known as someone who says, I will follow you. I'm a follower of yours. Following, it's an active, in the real world, do thing. Not a passive, ideological, merely theological, head knowledge thing. And how we follow Jesus is one next step at a time. This is why we, when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, and I'm inviting you to put your faith in Jesus, I say, how do we put our faith in Jesus? It's by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins, our Savior, and the, what's the next word I use? Leader of our lives, our Lord, saying, I will follow you. I'm committed to follow you. Wherever you're leading, Jesus, my answer is Yes. Do you know what you're doing every time you choose to take a next step to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus has invited and instructed you to do in the real world? You're declaring, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with the outcome. I trust you with my future. I trust you with this decision. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my loneliness. I trust you with my life. And it's only on, listen, this is so important. It's only on the other side of that decision is when we experience the faithfulness of God. And when we experience the faithfulness of God in the midst of the rain, the flood, the wind, the chaos, well, that's when our faith in God grows. You have to understand that you're in my faith, it's like a muscle. If you want it to grow, you have to exercise it daily. And exercising it means actively following Jesus in every single area of your life. Sexually, financially, in that relationship, with your boyfriend and girlfriend, in your marriage, at home, at school, on your team, in the highs and the lows, in every season of life. But that won't happen without consistently being exposed to practical, biblical teaching. This is why when we hear people tell their story about their faith in God growing, it often includes the element of, then I heard this sermon, and I understood what I was supposed to do with it. And as I went and as I applied scripture and I to do it in my marriage and at home and at school and in my finances, it was like God came alive, like I could see God at work. And that was when I experienced his faithfulness and experienced his presence, and that's when my faith in him grew. Their their face stories sound a little bit like this. Go ahead and take a look. So uh, before I put my faith in Jesus, I just really kind of felt no need for it. I felt like I kind of had my life under control in a certain way. And uh, I went to a Catholic school, and if anything, that made it less interesting just because I fell asleep in class. Um, and so, but before I knew Christ, I really just did not care to, uh, I just really didn't care all that much. I felt like it was something that didn't apply to my life. I was, felt like it was a bunch of old people thousands of years ago, and it was great for them, but what did that mean for me? What brought me to Relevant was I came because a friend invited me. Um, she invited me, and I was really just kind of coming to 
because I got invited. I didn't want to be rude. I was coming because I got invited. I didn't want to be rude to the person that invited me. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll show up. And at first I came, I was like, okay, that was, that was good. But then I kept coming. Uh, I kept getting invited. I kept showing up. And then uh, eventually I realized through that, um, the Bible, even though, yeah, it was written 2,000 years ago, it still has heavy weight in my life today in 2023 that I didn't realize that was there. And that's because I was exposed to practical biblical teaching. The sermon that first really connected with me uh, to a really emotional degree was uh, Matt's sermon on uh, Lazarus. The, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, the story of Lazarus, Jesus brings Lazarus back to life. And um, I've never been dead physically. But wrapping around in that sermon, Matt made it clear that life's been apart from Jesus. Without Jesus, I was dead spiritually. What Jesus did for Lazarus, he can do for me. He can, he can, he can bring me back to life spiritually, and he has. The idea of having a relationship with God was something that I didn't even think about until I was introduced to practical biblical teaching. I went years without even considering the need for God, but once I heard that, well, the Bible and Jesus and faith has pertinence to my life, it relates to my life, that was when I realized, oh, I want to keep coming back. I want to know more about this because I can see this every day. I think it's so easy to get caught up in big words and big ideas and stuff that like I don't really care about. But when we get to uh, practical biblical teaching, uh, you can learn about the heart of it and it all ties back to relationship and it all ties back to growing in that relationship, having your faith grow, having your love for God grow and connecting with people and all of that happens through practical biblical teaching because it's all about applying it to your life. If I wasn't there that Sunday morning and I didn't know that, that Christ, that God, that faith itself was relevant to my life, I wouldn't have the joy that I have today. I wouldn't have the life that I have today. Um, everything in my life that is good and that I love is because I found out that God is not just somebody that's there on Sunday morning. God is there with me every single day. And more than anything, God has shown me that I am loved. He's shown me that, uh, that he wants a relationship with me. And there's no greater joy in life. There's no greater joy that I've ever found and I know that I won't ever find than knowing that I'm loved by God, that I'm loved by his son, Jesus, and that I get to spend and have a relationship with him forever. Our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. But that can't happen until we know how to practically apply what God has communicated to us through the writers of Scripture. Which is why one of the faith catalysts that God uses to fuel our faith is practical, biblical teaching. To consistently be exposed to Scripture that's taught for application, not simply information. See, here, here's the flip side and the warning. Jesus goes on. But everyone who hears and believes, I might add, these words of mine and puts them in a notebook and feels convicted and nods and say, amen, but does not put them into, here's our word, practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And you can imagine the difference between building your house on the sand versus a rock. It's much quicker. It's much easier. Which means they knew, they believed, they just didn't do anything with it. The 
same rain came down, the same streams rose, the same wind blew and beat against that house, and it, their faith, fell with a great crash. And here's the warning. You can know and you can believe all the right things and your faith still not grow. And, and then when the storms and the pressures and the disappointments and the pain and the trial and the hardship of life comes, your faith comes crashing down with it. And that's what's happened to some of you. You lost your faith. You walked away from your faith. You abandoned your faith. Because even though you believed, your faith was fragile. It was frail. It was weak. So when the storms came, your faith came crashing down. And you blamed God for it. Or you concluded there was no God. And it happened not because you didn't know, not because you didn't believe, but because you hadn't exercised your faith muscle before the inevitable storms of life arrived. And I would be willing to bet that you stopped consistently putting yourselves in environments where you were exposed to practical biblical teaching a long time before that ever happened. You didn't know or you forgot that our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. By doing what he has invited and instructed us to do today, right now, in the very, very real world. See, one day, one day the storms of life are going to come. One day you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you want to be able to face that with extraordinary faith. And that's what your heavenly father wants for you as well. But being faithful, it doesn't happen by accident. Now, here is the response of the crowd after Jesus said this and he concluded the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Because here's how the Jewish religious leaders taught. Here's some more things to know. Here's some more things to believe. Here's some more things to know. Here's some more things to believe. Over and over and over and over and over again. And the crowd, they were amazed by it because Jesus came along and said, let me tell you how, what faith looks like in the real world. Knowing and believing, like, that's important. But doing, that's what makes all the difference. So follow me by applying what I have invited you to do and what I have instructed you to do. That's how you declare your trust in me. That's how your life will intersect with God's faithfulness. That's how your faith will grow because that's when you experience experience his presence. Unfortunately, some of you grew up in a church where information trumped application. From your experience, all the sermons, all the Sunday school classes, all the camp talks that you sat through had the underlining message, you need to know and believe all the right things. And you grew up getting credit for memorizing Bible verses, but you had no idea what to do with any of it or how that looked in your friendships or your marriage or school or finances or your struggles or your hardships or your life. 
You learned a lot about the Bible, but not how to practically apply it with what was going on in the real world. You were taught to simply believe the right things about God, but not challenge and empower to take practical next steps to follow Jesus based on what God has communicated to us through the writers of Scripture, so you never did. And then when the storms of life came, your faith ended up crashing down, and the reason it did is because our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. Fortunately, you're now part of relevant community, community church, and we are crazy about teaching how Jesus taught for application, not simply information. That's why we named ourselves Relevant Community Church. That's the reason you hear us say all the time, we make faith practical. At Relevant Community Church, in our Sunday gatherings, in our next-gen environments, in the classes that we do, we are committed to practical biblical teaching. We're committed to teaching the never-changing truths of the Bible in a way that is relevant and applicable to our ever-changing lives. At Relevant, we don't believe God gave us the Bible simply for our information, but for our transformation, and that comes through application. At Relevant, we believe practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers people to take next steps to follow Jesus is a catalyst that God uses to fuel our faith. Over the years, I've been doing this a lot of years, over the years, some people have criticized my preaching for not being deep enough for them. They go, I just want to go deeper. When someone says to me, I want to go deeper, I ask them, what do you mean by that? And what I hear every single time is, I don't know, I just want to know more. And my response to them, every time, and my response to you, if you ever say that to me, or if you're ever thinking about saying it to me, I'm just going to let you know what my response will be right now, is teaching that only fills your head with knowledge is actually shallow teaching. Deep teaching is what messes with your soul. And what messes with your soul is when you are challenged to take a next step in the real world based on what God has communicated to us through the writers of Scripture. A next step to follow Jesus when it is hard and when it costs you and when it's inconvenient and when it's uncomfortable. A next step that that requires us to say, Jesus, I don't know how this is all going to turn out, but I am choosing to trust you. Because that is how we build our house on the rock. Practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers us to take next steps to follow Jesus is a catalyst God uses to fuel our faith. So for those of you who want your faith to grow, who want to develop or rediscover your faith, I encourage you from this point forward to consistently put yourself in environments that expose you to practical biblical teaching. And the easiest way to do this for all of us is by establishing a habit, a rhythm, and a a discipline of attending Sunday gatherings every week and keeping it sacred, which means not compromising when other things come up. And going, that's oh, just another thing on the list. And we start putting things above it. Listen, I can't guarantee every sermon will be life-changing for you. But I can guarantee that no sermon will ever be life-changing for you if you aren't consistently here. And listen, sometimes you might feel guilty or ashamed or convicted or disturbed or bothered or uncomfortable, and that's okay. And that's good because I believe it's in those moments that God is trying to do something in you and your faith. 
Listen, for middle school students, for high school students, I want to also challenge you to establish the habit and the rhythm and the discipline of attending Rooted and Youth United every single week. This is where you'll be exposed to practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers you to follow Jesus. Practical biblical teaching that helps you develop a faith of your own. Practical biblical teaching that helps you grow in your faith in, G- your faith in Jesus in a way that is relevant in your season of life. Finally, parents. Parents. If you have a child, a middle school student or a high school student, and they're not part of Sprouts, Relevant Kids, Rooted, or Youth United, I strongly encourage you to start getting them there every single dang week. Sprouts is birth through pre-K. There's a ministry birth through pre-K. Meets on Sunday mornings. Relevant Kids, kindergarten through fifth grade. Meets on Sunday mornings. Uh, Rooted, middle school uh, ministry. Meets on Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock. Youth United or high school ministry. Meets Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Listen, parents. I know you want your child to have extraordinary faith. Remember this. Being faithful doesn't happen by accident. The storms of life will come crashing down in your child's life some point in time in the future. And if they haven't developed and exercised their faith muscle, their faith will come crashing down with it. They don't get their faith through osmosis from you. That's not how this works. Listen, we'll do our best to make their experience exceptional. They'll love some of what we do, not all of what they do, because they're kids. I would just encourage you to not make this optional. And one final thing, parents of birth through uh, fifth grade, I want to encourage you with something. Those of you online, you listen as well. We love your kids, and we love them in here, and you can bring them in here, and that's great, and we care about them. But listen, this is not impactful for them. And watching online and your kids being in the living room, it's, it's not impactful for them because this isn't relevant. They don't understand what I'm saying. They are checked out. And listen, you can bring them in here for the, we don't, we love having them. You can bring them in here all day long. It's up, completely up to you. You're their parents. You know better than I do. But that is a better environment for them. That is a more relevant environment for them where we will do practical biblical teaching in a way that will challenge and inspire and, 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 and empower them to take next steps to follow Jesus for the season of life they are in. So, do you want to get, develop, grow, an enduring, go the distance, unshakable faith in Jesus? Parents, do you want that for your kids? Here's my question for you. What do you need to do to ensure that you constantly expose yourself and your kids to practical, biblical teaching? Whatever you know you need to do here, Take the next step and do it. Because our faith grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. And listen, I can promise for all of us, there's a next step that Jesus has already invited you to take.
For some of you, it's been hanging on you for a while. You heard it a while back, you felt it a while back, you felt a stirring a while back, and you haven't done it. And it could be in a relationship, it could be in your marriage, it could be sexually, it could be financially, it could be to get baptized. And you're wondering why your faith's not growing. And you still want God to reveal new things to you. He doesn't need to reveal anything new to you. He's waiting for you to follow. So, will you follow? Say, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you with the outcome. For some of you, you know the next step that Jesus is inviting you into is to put your faith in him. And you haven't done it because you're waiting for, heaven, for angels to descend from heaven. And that big, special moment, lights from the sky. I just want to feel it, and I want my faith to grow first. And Jesus is going, hey, just follow if you never put your faith in Jesus, as I pray, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Dear Lord, I thank you for giving us your word, for giving us scripture, that you communicated so many things to us about how to live life in faith and following you, Jesus. So I pray that we just, as a people, continue to be exposed consistently to teaching that inspires and empowers us to follow you, Jesus, to practically apply what you've communicated. And we take those steps and we say, Jesus, I trust you. And as we do, I pray our faith in you grows. Lord, for every person who never put their faith in you, Jesus, by asking you to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life, I pray that right now, where they're at, the home in this room, they choose to do that. That quietly where they are, they confess their need for a savior because their violation of sin broke the relationship with you that you created all of us for. Or right now that they declare Jesus that they believe you are that Savior and your death was sufficient for the forgiveness of their sin and my sin. And you prove that you were the Savior when you rose from the grave. And now, Jesus, I, I pray that where they're at, they ask you to be their Savior. That right now they, they put their faith in you, asking you to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives, their Lord, their God. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.